welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this is Life, life Pairings. <laughs> because life is hard. Pair it with alcohol. We're doing a scary thing, but maybe a true thing, but also maybe slightly scary. As today's life pairing is the Mothman Prophecies with... Oh, Malort. Malort. Sorry, there we go. We're discussing... Chrome statues. Ultra-terrestrials. And Chicago, baby. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, you might have heard we have, um, I mean, I don't want to put other guests down, but <laughs> Victoria is our favorite guest. <laughs> I mean, we have other guests that are our favorites for different reasons, mm-hmm. but Victoria. I'm the Halloween favorite. You are the yes. Halloween favorite. And we love Halloween. And we love <laughs> Halloween the most. And uh, Victoria Banner is an incredibly talented comedian. Uh, she's a musician. Uh, she's newly a graphic designer. Because comedian didn't work well. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many things you're good at. And you're one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Uh, and uh, she's here and she's got some uh, pretty cool stuff to tell us today. Oh, I'm so excited. I do all this research just for the compliments I get at the top <laughs> of the show. Just <laughs> only, I know, I'm like... And they, I'm not, I don't have them written anyway, so they come from the heart, Victoria. Aww. They come from the heart. Oh, this is so lovely. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a roller coaster of emotions from very lovely and saccharine to scary to the point that it might haunt your dreams tonight. I Ooh. like it. Ooh, we I like should it. break into, okay, have you heard, Brittany, have you heard about the Mothman prophecies? Okay, so this is the angle I was coming at it from. Victoria, I, I asked about two months ago to be on the podcast for Halloween and she told me she wanted to talk about the Mothman. So from that day, I was like, I don't want to hear about it from anyone else. <laughs> I don't want to have any information in my brain. I only want to hear it from your perspective. So I know nothing. I, I, I perf- uh, purposefully know zero things about this. That's exciting. I am a huge fan of the movie with Richard Gere and Lindy. Lin- What's her name? From... I know. I only Ozart. know Richard Gere. Oh, uh, from Laura oh. Linney. Laura, Laura Linney. Um, but I haven't seen it in years, so I'm very excited to hear the real story. I watched the movie this morning oh. because I wanted it, the movie to be fresh, so yeah. that I could use the movie as like a reference yeah. from that. So. A story guide. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay, cool. And is this something that you've been? Uh, enjoying since your childhood or did you get in around the same time when the movie came out um yeah the movie came out in my childhood i'm a little younger than you guys only about five years yep but uh you guys might have been making out with boys and i was busy at like grade six sleepovers and the movie was just g enough (laughs) nothing scary happens in that movie we had the craft that was our oh yeah the craft that was the one because it was like the thing where you're like you can all join hands and like put (laughs) devil spells on people Yep. That was good. Like, because I, I was in grade six when the movie came out. So the thing was, was it was just like nothing happens in the Mothman Prophecies movie. So parents were like, we can just leave this running and they can scare themselves. <laughs> <laughs> With ideas of what might have been. Yeah. Exactly. And another thing about childhood and Mothman Prophecies, before I get into the actual story, this is one of those 
strange but true things that you would get in a Scholastics book fair oh. book. Oh. That, you know, that kind of like stuff that hits where it's me like. In the right spot, right? Y- exactly. Now. Like on the front, there's a picture of a like royalty free skeleton. <laughs> and then inside, they're going to tell you about the Titanic. They're going to yep. tell you that maybe mummies are cursed sometime. And then they're going to tell you about the Mothman. And so, this is one of the reasons why Mothman lore is so steeped with non-verified facts that people take as the gospel oh. it's because it's spent so much time in scholastic <laughs> children's books that are being um shilled as non-fiction and no one ever goes back and thinks there was anything insidious about trying to entertain children with like real stories that give the heebly jeebilies right. so. so is this like it, it is it because and i mean i guess i'll learn so i don't ask too many questions but is it because they kind of just assumed it was like not a big deal like it wouldn't scare them enough or it was just like it was like friendly enough that, or that it wasn't real enough nope it it was real and it was scary it and is scary it's, uh, it it's a thing me. that scares me for sure and that's why it's always stuck in my mind is one of my favorite things oh. And I think it's just, um, it, it's royalty free because it, it's real, <laughs> it and, real? It happened, yeah. and no one owns that character. It's not like Michael it's... Myers where you... <laughs> yeah. He, so, oh, okay, okay No, anyone can write a book on the Mothman. Anyone, we're not paying any fees yeah. to make this podcast. So. We would not be doing that anyway. <laughs> I gotta tell you, if we were paying fees, uh, or should have been, we didn't pay them. <laughs> we are... <laughs> I'm also going to warn you, I know this is set in West Virginia, and so I'm going to try not to sing West Virginia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Every three seconds. So. I switched the words out uh, in West Virginia to uh, take me home, Chelsea Ray, and sing it to my sister, Aww. and she hates it. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think, are we ready? ready? You... Yeah, and this is why I'm having such a hard time delving into it. Because okay. it does take a lot of explanation. And by the end of this podcast, I am going to be ranting like a crazy person. Good. Because That's there's so saying. many angles to Mothman that make Mothman special. But ultimately, it breaks into stuff that actually did happen. Stuff that maybe kind of happened. And stuff that really just got lumped into there too, but is also fun. So um, the base story and why it's Mothman and why the the Mothman is the mascot for the bigger story is uh, in 1967, there was a uh, town in West Virginia and it was called Point Pleasant and it was a very small town and people started seeing a winged creature that was known later known as the Mothman. They start seeing this winged creature around town and enough people saw it that it started making like the local newspaper and it started making like the morning radio DJ kind of thing. So, uh, and it was, it it did end up in police reports. Like, so they, were they saying it in the day or only at night or like the first people reportedly who saw it were, um, as like silly spooky as it is, was like grave diggers Hmm. and they saw it in the trees and it oh. was a, uh, what Mothman is, is uh, it's an eight foot tall winged being. And so what it looks like is, and this is, again, everything about Mothman is so difficult to explain. And I'm just going to sound like I love talking. But... <laughs> Welcome to the Which club. is also true. And that's why you're here. <laughs> but the main takeaway features of Mothman is like the morphology is it definitely has wings. It's definitely human-shaped, and it definitely has glowing red eyes, and it's eight feet tall. So, like, 
just big enough to be bigger than a person, but not big enough to be like the Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Right. Right, fair. So and another thing about the um, morphology of Mothman that is up for debate canonically is they say Mothman, because he's glowing red eyes, they say he doesn't have a neck, right? They say, oh. like, they're like, he doesn't have a neck, but it's like a guy's thing. So sometimes artists will depict him as a neck. But uh, other people that went and researched this phenomena say that uh, witnesses don't say that he didn't have a head. They say that they couldn't describe the head. Like, Which is even scarier. Isn't yeah. that even scarier? Yeah. So when you see a drawing of the Mothman, that's someone interpreting it literally. Like it didn't have a head. It's just a creature with glowing eyes and a neck. But when you actually read the book, it's actually, um, it has glowing red eyes and your brain can't process the head oh my god which is the scary anything that our brain because that's like that's what like makes us make things okay is being able to look at something and go that's a door that's a window this is what this is this is what its function is so i think like that would be the scariest thing is to be like what did it look like i don't know yeah, yeah, that's and that's something that's really cool about about this whole thing. Yeah. And there's other things because Mothman was a lot of sightings, but he did do some stuff to mess with people as well, which makes him a bit more oh, of an existential so he was not threat. Just like a like were people thinking he was just a weird eagle? Uh, he has been described. They were like, well, it's a big bird. And the person who wrote the book Mothman Prophecies is a guy named John Keel, and he really just branded this entire phenomenon against himself. So this is, right. I'll talk about this a little bit later, but it is true that this town was having a Mothman. And then it is also true that this guy who is a paranormal researcher crowned himself the oh. self-acclaimed expert oh. of everything. <laughs> right. And he right. went right to the town and wrote the book. He's like, so, I'm Dr. Mothman. <laughs> he's like, I'm Dr. Mothman. Like, exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. And so when I'm taking these references, I'm taking them from his book but they have to be taken with a grain of salt because right. he's got huge neckbeard energy. Right. <laughs> he knows a lot of stuff in a lot of different fields. Exactly. He's like, what else What else are you a doctor of? He's like, I'm a doctor of driving. I'm a doctor of... <laughs> I was actually a race car driver in my last life. I'm also a... Like, okay. So we'll get we'll get into the book, The Mothman Prophecies, because it is very important and very part of the lore, but I'm just trying to boil down what Mothman actually does according to the police reports okay, for, okay. from the town, which is, it's wild that the town is separate from the book that makes the story. So uh, from the people in the town, what Mothman actually does, other than being a thing that people see, like you're driving on the road and you're like, oh no, there's a Mothman on the road, and then he flies away and you're scared. Um, a bad thing about Mothman is if you see him, you get conjunctivitis, which is pink eye, like radiation pink eye, like welders have to wear masks right. oh. to prevent themselves from getting conjunctivitis, which is just like a irritated red eyes. Yeah. It's and like, so... it's, it, it almost like burns your eyes. Yeah. And so yeah. when you see Mothman, people who reported seeing Mothman also reported getting conjunctivitis, which is scary. Like, yeah, because it's it's like whatever it is, is radiating a certain frequency of light that is burning you. Oh, you are so ready for the ultra terrestrials part. (laughs) (laughs) Your mind is primed for where this goes as two explanations, because Mothman is just like a tiny part of this. So what uh, happens next after Mothman is uh, he, yes, he gives you conjunctivitis and also um, he chased uh, teens because there was like a makeout point in Point Pleasant. Always and... where you get every, it's always a go away from society. Yep. And, and then people are like, that's where the monsters get you. And it, this is so great too because 
the the old makeout spot in Point Pleasant was a munitions slash chemical factory. <laughs> oh, sexy time! And that's that's a real thing. That's like an actual like you look at the topography of the town. That's where the teens would go for makeouts. Was the munitions and chemical the old abandoned? Oh. Like you want to go makeout next to that green sludge? <laughs> Literally, yes. You know, green sludge gets me hard. <laughs> so, um. So some teens were making out at the old munitions factory and they did see uh, the Mothman and the the Mothman did chase after them in their car and they drove away very, very fast and they were very afraid because they were being definitely chased by the Mothman and they saw a dead dog on the side of the road. And when they got back to town, another person who'd seen the Mothman said his dog chased after it. (gasps) Oh, I don't like dead dogs. Yeah, it always stresses. I know. Also, do you know who I feel bad for? That guy who came whilst seeing the Mothman and can never come again without seeing an ultra altruistic being. <laughs> You're just like, do you know how hard it is to explain that to people? Like, it's not you. It's just one time. My my first time, I was getting lucky down yeah. at Makeout Point. Yeah. <laughs> now I, fet- I, I really fetishized it. <laughs> I fetishized the Mothman's no face and now no face can- Anyways. So that's Mostly what you need to know about the Mothman is that this this thing's running around Point Pleasant. Okay. But that's not nearly enough of the story because um, this starts getting picked up in the newspaper and people are having weird things happen. And so in UFO lore and UFO culture, there's what's known as a flap. And that's when, um, like, if a, a little bit of UFO happens, stuff happens. Sometimes there's a lot of UFO stuff that happens. Yes. This is the thing. It's because it's like, it's like a hot spot. So yes. So it was, the whole town was becoming a hot spot for UFO activity. So they were seeing lights in the skies. Right. And then they were also seeing people that, and this, these people show up in other UFO lores too, in these hotspots, which are the actual men in black. Yes. not Ooh. not the ones that like <laughs> not inspired. will smith not will smith they're way worse than will smith because the actual the actual men in black are very scary because they're not from planet earth is the thing it's if you see a ufo and you try and talk about it on the news men in black come to your door and they're like well maybe you didn't see that but then people report that the men in black are like sweaty and breathing weird and wearing clothing from a different time and they say that they're with the fbi and they're they're just not (laughs) this is okay i the vibe of this podcast so far might be my favorite thing we've ever done because it's carla already knowing things and feeling validated (laughs) these feelings up. i know and i didn't realize it was such a <laughs> and, i knew into the deep world the deep real world the deep, guys and then it's just me learning <laughs> <laughs> and carla if you have any fun facts that you want to get in on board I, I don't the only thing i know about the, the men in black is they have a cool old car yeah they're seen in like black cadillacs yeah. and they got suits and it's like but there's just something so off about their suits. Like, they don't match, and they're not very... They're overly formal, but not formal enough. Like, why are you dressed like that? It's like when you, like... It's like the ongoing joke of, like, when you meet somebody who's super strange, and then you're just like, it's like you're from another planet, and you're trying to act like us. That's exactly yeah. what yeah. they do. Yeah. And so that's the whole thing, and they ask weird questions, like, um, like what year is it? Like, they do... They're reported <laughs> oh. asking very weird time traveler questions. And so this is another part of thing that's happening is people are seeing lights in the sky 
and they are um, they're seeing these men in black saying like stop reporting on this and there was a actual person like an actual documented person and she was the uh, newspaper columnist for Point Pleasant and her name is Mary Heyer and she had a little side column of yeah. like Mary's weird weird stuff and so <laughs> this is what lends some validity and to and why the town of Point Pleasant still celebrates the Mothman and still says this is an actual thing that happened because right. they had a journalist and and this is 1965 and um and it was going on for two years by the time it comes to like kind of a triangle top precipice that's the word I was looking for <laughs> yep. um uh, this Mary Hire lady, she would be like, the town, you, you would contact her if you grew the world's largest vegetable. You would contact her if you saw a UFO. She was just a very, <laughs> so cute. she was a very accessible small town journalist. Right. And so th- that's a real thing that was actually happening at the time too. And so then what actually comes in next is this where the guy who wrote the book, Mothman Prophecies, comes in. And this is another real person who was a author and a paranormal researcher, and he forcibly inserted himself into this narrative and wrote a book about it. Because in the film, I think Richard Gere is just like works for the Chicago Times or New York Times. Right? Yeah, I can I can talk about the difference between the film and the actual book. So in the film, to make it a little bit more believable, they knock back some of the absurdity of the real story because they need to make it believable for like some for Hollywood guy. That's so funny. Like, Cause it's it like, it's normally the other way around, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's like normally like the Hollywood version of this is so over exaggerated, but like the real version is too hard to wrap your head around. The real version is almost too silly, too scary, not real enough that right. they had to make it seem real enough to That's sell the story. With That's Richard. crazy. Like it almost feels like watching the movie today that Richard Gere was like, I will not do this scene because because he because he's like there's just this it's 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 too camp almost it's, like it's too exactly over the top i can't see richard gear playing a paranormal investigator and his wife although i think his wives are always dead in this film they're always dead <laughs> so i think he should be maybe thinking Dude, about some other career i was watching there's a movie called uh unfaithful that richard gears in oh yeah and it's literally like uh i just always was like my i love that movie because it's so many hot scenes with Richard Gere getting cocked. Like, <laughs> he's, not, he's, like, not the guy that you... It's like a Richard Gere movie with Diane Lane. And you're like, this guy's gonna be fucking Diane Lane. You're like, nope. He's gonna watch another dude fuck Diane Lane. <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, I like everything about this. <laughs> Anyways, so what are the main differences between, then, the book and the, the actual... Um, lore or the actual so so the movie and this is um so this comes to the fact that they split up the author of the book so the author of the book is a known paranormal investigator whether you want to believe that that's a real career or not he's a real guy and his name's john keel and in the movie they split that into two people one person is the journalist and the other person is the paranormal researcher at the university who doesn't do a lot of talking, oh. but that's one person in oh. reality. And it's quite funny because when the journalist who doesn't believe in Mothman goes to talk to the Mothman expert, the name of the Mothman expert is Professor Leek, which is just Keel backwards. 
Oh, <laughs> what? I like it. That's fun. I like stuff. Like <laughs> and it's so funny because you can tell that the writers of that movie just understood that John Keel would be too much of a wiener to sell as a right. protagonist in a movie. <laughs> it's be- hard. I mean, I understand why they went with the skeptic. I think it's hard to go into a thing. I don't know. Although The Conjuring does it, so. Yeah. But it's the, time. the 90s, we, we were very confused. So actual John Keel, he didn't lose a wife or anything like that. He was like, so the movie is like, they wanted the movie to be sexy for some reason. <laughs> it's a lot of sexiness. In well, the it's movie got Richard Gere in it. To be in <laughs> it's just like, so, the, oh, I love the idea that Richard's demanding the sexiness. Like no one in the, no one who wrote this movie wanted that. Richard's like, he doesn't want me to take my shirt off, or yeah. they're like, "No, no, other people, <laughs> other people take their shirts off, not you." So, uh, in the movie, the actor Richard Gere goes to the town because he's a man who can't process his grief emotions, and he needs an external event to help him yeah. do it. <laughs> and uh, the plot in, of so many films. And in reality, John Keel is just a super big nerd. That that's his entire bread and butter is going to town to town and being a professional guy. And he's got big time magician energy. Like oh. even in the book, John Keel says, like as someone who does sleight of hand magic, I know how easy it is to fool the eye of someone who doesn't know how to identify <laughs> these things. So I said racing cars off the top. It was not <laughs> racing cars. He's a magician. He's, he's a magician, <laughs> hands down, and he is. So the the author John Keel is so like I I read the whole book and it is a dry read and I was warned it was a dry read and I <laughs> oh dry read but he is so full of himself that the first chapter of the book is he um, he goes to town to start doing the research and he knocks on the door and he's writing the book in first person which is what you really want in a research document yeah definitely <laughs> nonfiction yeah. That's- a nonfiction research document, and you just want to have do. the detective noir ramblings of a giant <laughs> nerd going door to door asking people Aww. about a Mothman. And so uh, John John Keel, like the opening of the book is he goes, I assume people in a small town like Point Pleasant aren't used to seeing someone with long hair and a beard, which used to be reserved for intellectuals, but has now gone the way of the hippie. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So he is the smuggest guy. And earlier today, we were talking about how sometimes, like, uh, you don't get along with comedians and you don't get along with, like, other people in your field. Yeah. He doesn't a little bit not get along with other (laughs) UFO researchers. (laughs) He hates them. He's like, how dare you find something more preposterous than I? <laughs> Have you seen my beard, sir? <laughs> it, it, that's exactly what it is. And so the entire narrative, he's like, uh, an inexperienced UFO researcher might be one to assume that lights in the sky mean UFOs. But alas, <laughs> I know better. I know better. I <laughs> not to not to deem him crazy, but I do love listening to two crazy people call the other one crazy. Because you're like, of course you think each other's nuts. Yes, exactly. You're both nuts! <laughs> and that's that's the whole energy of the book, and that's what kept it as a very good read, was that you can't take him for his word. But he's also very serious about a lot of these things. Mm. And it is quite interesting, the story that he does craft, on how he lends an air of what the Mothman prophecies is. Right. So he's a UFO researcher, and he starts talking to people who had eyewitness accounts 
And because all the stuff was cropping up around town, he had a network of about 40 people around town that he, cause he like moved to the town and he stayed there for two years. Oh wow. And anytime someone had something to say to him, he would just take that information down. And he was fully like transparent that some of the people seemed crazy, but he also thought that maybe some of the phenomena was channeling itself through crazy people. Right. And so, well, and had clearly brought a crazy person into the town. <laughs> In uh, him. So, who <laughs> was in it within himself? <laughs> so, what actually happens to John Keel is actually very similar in what happens in the movie where he's on the phone all the time and right. people are telling him on the phone, like, oh, one of those strange men just showed up and they're saying, hey, don't come sniffing around here. Like, oh. and that's oh. what's, and that's how he's getting it. And that's something that a lot of people that try and tell the Mothman story in those Scholastics books or other podcasts, they say, they, they gloss over how these messages were getting to John Keel. They go, well, a lot of things happened that caused him to believe that he was seeing the future. And what the, a lot of things were happening was he was getting messages from third parties. So he would go to the coffee shop and the yeah. lady from the coffee shop would be like, oh, those guys were asking about you. And another thing would happen is um, he, people were making phone calls on his behalf. So right. someone would phone someone in town, like the police officer in town, and someone would phone and be like, my name's John Keel. What do you have? What information do you have for me? And people would give an entire phone interview to who they thought was this ufologist. And then he would show up for the interview and they'd be like, we already gave the interview. Oh my God. So it was like these men in black showing up on his behalf and then stealing the information essentially, yeah. or trying to like, oh, not- wow. That's and, crazy. And his phone would get tapped and stuff like that. And you could hear beeps and blips and stuff on his phone. So it's quite, um, messages were getting to him in the ways that messages get to someone traveling around in the 1960s. Like he would go and check in at a hotel and there would be a piece of paper left for him at the front desk being like, oh, you have a meeting at two. And it's like, no, you don't. Yeah. And he would have a wake up call in his motel room and he never booked a wake up call. And so oh. weird. So this is another thing that's happening while he's writing and he has an explanation for what all this is. And so this kind of comes more into the narrative. Another part of the Mothman prophecies that is documented. And when I say documented, this is, this is going to be a real fun thing is um, there was a character that came to town, the Point Pleasant, the character's name was Indrid Cold. And Indrid Cold is referenced in the movie where he's the guy that's talking and he's the one who's giving the prophecies like very like in 10 days, blah, blah, blah. Right. In reality, there actually was a person who said that a straight up alien came down in a spaceship and yeah. And the alien, like he was like driving on the freeway (laughs) and, and and this is so hard to contextualize because I've heard people try to contextualize it in scare your pants off stories before and they don't do a good job because they don't describe the culture at the time so this guy who says that he saw an alien was very frank and very candid about it he wasn't afraid of talking about it and so the guy who saw the alien his name was um woodrow derenberger that is a good name very woody derenberger and so he was like a point pleasant guy and he was in a truck and he was driving down the highway, and he literally sees a UFO spacecraft above his head. And he goes, oh, UFO. And then straight up, a man comes out of the UFO, and he's dressed in kind of like a 
shiny metal rain suit and he looks like a guy like he's got a hat he's got too creepy of a smile like he's a, he's a creepy human yeah and he knocks on the window of the truck and then he has a conversation with woodrow derenberger being like um he points at the city because it was an overlook and he goes what do you call that and then he's like that's a city and then he's like oh we call those dwellings on my planet like <laughs> that's so <laughs> a a straight up like this this happens and the guy says that like this guy he wasn't moving his lips like the conversation was happening psychically oh, yeah and so um which if you're into like aliens and extraterrestrial stuff and whatever like anytime anybody's had any sort of or reports having any sort of interaction it's never like through mouth moving it's always psychically although i do have to say so we did an episode a couple weeks ago on sleep paralysis and there is a theory potentially that a lot of the alien abductions is sleep people having sleep paralysis which if you're driving a truck and you accidentally fall asleep that <laughs> yeah. might happen but that goes back to you not being able to move the whole thing is in like you're communicating in your head yeah so i don't know, I don't know but by the sounds of it it sounds like this guy was driving yes, and then was somebody was like and like left the spaceship in park above his car right and like enough time for him to get all of the information and the alien was like my name is indrid cold if you want to hang out again let's do it and he did like (laughs) like, yeah absolutely i'm doing karaoke on tuesday at the old bill Ingrid Cole. Yeah, Indrid, which Indrid. is not... A, that's what's Ooh. so funny, because Indrid isn't really a name. Like, Ingrid is a name, yeah. but Indrid is just close enough to being a human name. It's what's just... his name from um, The Wire? Oh, uh, Idris. Idris. Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah. Oh, sexy. But Indrid is like... You're right. It's like, it's yeah. like the suit's being just a little off. It's like yeah. the name is a little... like. What would a human name be? Yeah, it, yeah, that's what it feels like. And that's what creeps me out so much about this smiley guy that doesn't do anything but the fact that his name's Indrid Cold. You're just like, I don't like that. <laughs> and he's not talking through his mouth. He's just talking to you in his head. Yeah. yeah. And, but, um, so he is around and people keep seeing this Indrid Cold guy around Point Pleasant. But... Um, Woodrow Derenberger goes completely off the like he writes a book saying that like Indrid Cold took him to his home planet and his home planet was Lanulos and it was full of sexy naked ladies and everything like that right. and so did this, he start a cult after because he really should have it's, he didn't start a cult but he did write it and it was part of the time because you, I brought props and it's oh, hard to bring props, props to a podcast <laughs> I love a prop worry, we'll um, so um, there was a permeating culture of ufo cults at the time in um this one's from 1959 and it is a magazine and it is a home printed zine from the los angeles interplanetary study study group oh my god where did you get this uh, the antiques mall in calgary it's called antiques avenue and there's this there's this old punk rocker who has the best collection in his little antiques booth and so i never understood how this person who said that they saw Indrid Cold in Point Pleasant felt so comfortable telling the stupidest story I've ever heard right. and right. how John Keel felt okay reporting this story secondhand in his book. Right. Because you hear about this story again in a very abbreviated version and people are like, yeah, and then the alien came down and the spaceship was up and then he went up to space and then all the kind of, and you're like, if this actually happened, we would have some sort of roof yeah or and... some or other people saying like hey i was also on that road <laughs> yeah 
yeah, other people saying like, I was on that road. And so the thing is, is that there was a huge culture of um, flying saucer cults. And right. they did kind of merge a little bit with Christianity. I was just and... joking and basing that on Scientology, but I didn't know this was a real thing. No, real, real wow. 1950s flying saucer cults. Oh and um, they're very um, in their own lore is the best way to mm-hmm. say it. Like if I read from here... It's like, um, what's, uh, I'm, I found a really good page. I'm just going to scroll. Yeah, here we go. So they, in this magazine, they refer to the planet earth as Terra and they're not even going to like walk you into this magazine. Like this is issue number six. If you don't know that the planet earth is Terra, then get out. Yeah. And so this is the type of language. And this is an entire publication that someone took the time to distribute and it made it all the way from Los Angeles to Calgary, Alberta. So that's That's how much literature was going around. Like there's a lot of these. Yeah. And so, uh, I feel that enough people were in this cult that they thought that they were making evidence themselves by making this stuff. And so they, oh. I, they probably thought that this was just going to last and that this was going to happen. And so they could have been in some sort of like group madness or something. Right. Well, but... good thing that never happens again. And we are experiencing, <laughs> yeah. that. Not experiencing that again. It, <laughs> it really does permeate with uh, con- like the fear of the nuclear bomb, because this says, oh. um, here's a reading from this. It says, if upon Terra, you really want to gain great benefit from an exploration of space, from landing upon other planets, and from mining minerals of your moon, you may do so, providing you obey these conditions. You must dispense with your atomic weapons. You must bring all those terrestrial conditions which will forever outlaw the possibility of a war. You must dispense with all monetary systems so that no man upon Earth can ever starve. And you must throw the whole of your God-given energies towards making Earth a better, more peaceful, happier, and less ignorant place. Whoa. But see, the thing is, is like, and I always say this, Carla, don't I always say this? I, I, cults always start from a good place. Most, Mm -hmm. most Mm -hmm. of the time. Super good place. They're always like. And then there's one white man generally who then sleeps with everybody and fucks it up for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, They've got a, so that's like all the nice things. But then at the end, there's a convention and you got to pay to go to the convention. (laughs) It's always monetized. Yeah. Someone's making money. Here's where the money comes back at the end. It's funny though. Sorry. The beginning of that, when you're talking about it, it sounds like a a sci-fi video game or something that you're about to play. Like it does sound like an introduction to a a lovely world that is, that is already there that everybody knows about. Yeah, and so they, they all believed into it. So that's why this Woodrow Derenberger felt so comfortable writing an entire book about how he went on a space adventure with a man named Indrid Cold and why we haven't, why we have a culture have researched this right. and not just put that in the don't talk about this ever again bucket. Yeah, or the insta- in, uh, institution. Yeah. yeah. The, what year was this, sorry? This was This 19... one was from 1959. Okay, so this and... is happening before, this is with this one, this example or whatever is before yes, the bef- big. Yeah, before the point, the events of Point Pleasant. Okay. So, um, the, so now there's Indrid Cold and he's the spaceman going around Point Pleasant. Yeah. And so this was all happening at the time. This is part of the UFO flap. But then you add the Titanic portion of this story, <laughs> which is, again, this goes back from fantasy world. So the another real thing yeah. that happened during this UFO flap that all of the stuff I just explained was happening yeah. was there was a bridge and it was like a big vehicle bridge, like two lanes of traffic, and it was spanning the Ohio River. So think about like that bridge you take to get into Vancouver. Right. Um, it collapsed and it was an actual tragedy because it was on christmas eve right 
Or no, December 15th. So not exactly Christmas Eve, but... But like close Christmas. to the Christmas, yeah. yeah. And so people were going to the next town over to do their Christmas shopping. And then they got onto the bridge and too many people at rush hour were on the bridge. Oh, no. And so this bridge collapsed. And so all the cars fell into the water and 43 people died. And it brought national press and national attention over at the same time. And so people were coming to report on this actual national tragedy that happened. But then also people were like, do you think it was the UFOs that have been happening for the past two years? <laughs> and the journalists were like, sorry, what? So yeah, what? <laughs> they're like, okay, they're like, oh, what? I don't think this has anything to do with Indrid, do you? That's literally his eye. He swore up and down he wouldn't take this bridge down. Exactly. And that's the whole thing, yeah. is that you have the merging of like a larger like international stage coming to do reporting on the um, on the bridge collapsing when the town is in the throes of UFO mania. Yeah, that's <laughs> a crazy. Wow. Yeah. And so they think that the um, Mothman is like a harbinger of doom. Yeah. Because they're like, well, like, why was the Mothman showing up? Were they trying to warn us about this? And like, was there was there anything about that? And so there, I don't know how real this is, but people say that they thought they saw Mothman at Chernobyl. But that could just Ooh. be that could just be an urban legend. I'm not 100 percent sure we're, we're where that. We're gonna cover one. that, I think, in our bon- one of our bonus episodes. Yes. So um, <laughs> yeah, check that out. Find Ooh. out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the Mothman did this. Yo, but like, this is the thing. There's like, there was a it, when bad stuff starts happening, we want to point fingers. Mm-hmm. We want to go. This happened because this. We want like it's like the Mothman was here, so he did it. And this is also, and it makes people feel better. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. It's crazy. There was this episode of uh, Futurama, <laughs> big Futurama fan, uh, or I was at the time, uh, where Bender is flying through space accidentally because he gets kicked off the ship. <laughs> and then, like, a rock lands on him. But, like, it's a planet, really, because there's just, like, tiny little miniature people that live on the planet. And then Bender starts, like, he's accidentally the god of this planet. <laughs> so if he, like, moves him, he, like, moves his body and the sun, like, strikes it too quickly, it, like, burns half the planet. And they're like, God, why do you forsake us? <laughs> like, it's like, he's doing, like, all these, like, things that he doesn't know the consequence of. Like, he accidentally, like, opens a beer and, like, it, like, floods everything. And, like, there's, like, so many things. Just, that reminded me of, like... The Mothman was here, and he would take down that bridge. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. And so that's a big part of the Mothman lore, is people right. know there was a Mothman, and then the bridge collapsed, but they don't understand really, like, what happened. And so if you comedically shorten it, you're like, Mothman goes around knocking down bridges. <laughs> yeah. Mothman, Mothman died. <laughs> yeah. I think that was, like, the, that was the scary thing for me, was the bridge falling down, because that's a very scary thing. Oh, it's a terrifying visual, and they described because it was um, because it was Christmas and people were driving back with Christmas presents yeah. that there was floating Christmas packages oh, in, the, in water the water as they were pulling people out. So that's got some real goth imagery right there. And two, because like it, I don't know. It's just like anytime like during a celebration, it feels targeted, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's like mm-hmm. hey, no one no no one knew that in fucking ten days you were gonna open those presents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just... And I think that's kind of because it it very much it, there's definitely no UFO stuff. I don't think in the movie that um, I remember. So the movie does the explanation that John Keel gives, and John Keel, this is what an ultra terrestrial is, and so this ties into an ultra terrestrial, and it's incredible that Brittany brings up 
bender in mm-hmm. that last example. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, I'm and so excited. I hope she, I hope she follows this one all the three through. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is also going to tie into your sleep paralysis thing because ultra terrestrials mess me up so much in the most high anxiety way possible <laughs> because I suffer from sleep paralysis oh, really? on a regular. It's like I get waking yeah. nightmares and I, I get really bad. Like I, I, it's called confused arousals where I wake up and I have just <laughs> such story of my life, <laughs> such weird thoughts. And they're, and they're so real, but I'll wake up and I'll be like, Oh my God, my blanket is angry at me. And it's such oh. a real thing that happens. And so when I read about ultra terrestrials, like I've, I've known of it, but when I read about it, that's the theme that my nightmares definitely take. Right. And right. so. And what, we should explain what an yeah, ultra terrestrial is. Exactly. Um, so what an ultra terrestrial is, is um, they do not come from outer space. They that's come. That's an extraterrestrial. That's an extraterrestrial. It is a being that is in a dimension parallel to us that we can't perceive with our senses. So there's electricity in this room, but you can't see it. So it's saying that there could also be ultra terrestrials in this room, but we can't perceive them because like a worm doesn't know where you are because a worm doesn't have eyes, ears or anything like that. It doesn't mean the worm doesn't exist. It doesn't mean you don't exist. It means that you can't perceive each other. So it's like a dimension that overlaps with our own. Right. And um, the only goal of ultra terrestrials seems to be that they mostly leave us alone. But when you notice them, they notice you. I don't like this. (laughs) Because I have a lot of ghostly experiences. And it terrifies me. And so does my brother and my mom. My sister and my dad never have, but we always do. And, like, my brother will be like, oh, I saw some wild shit. <laughs> and it scares me because it's not really anything. Like, you either believe or you don't believe. I prefer not to believe would be my preference. But it happens to me all the time. It's so scary. You don't know what it is. You don't know how to communicate with it. You don't. All I know is there's something there and I can't touch it or feel it or see it. And it's like I can I can understand sometimes why it's there. I, but I don't know how to share that information with anybody. Sometimes I'll just get a feeling and I'll go, I'll have to like call somebody and I'll be like, don't take the bus today. Oh, wow. And then people are like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. Ooh. And it's very like, it's stuff like that where it's like scary. And that like, per, I can, there's something that I can, I'm understanding that there's something there, but I don't know why or how or what. Wait, Ooh. has this ever come to fruition? Yeah, I've had major, I've had dreams and I've had like, one time I had this feeling. I was like, I don't want to go down. My family goes to the lake all the time. And I was like, down to Montana. And I'm like, I don't want to go down. And out of nowhere, I started feeling like this. I was like, don't go. Do not go. And then my mom was like, this is really kind of like, in, it's like a little bit rude of you. Like, it's last minute. You said you were coming. Like, I bought all the supper stuff. It's a long weekend. Everyone's expecting you. Our whole family's going to be there. And I was like, I don't know why I can't come. I'm just not coming. And then the next night, I had a dream that there was, like, a huge bar altercation, and people got really hurt. But, like, very, like, specific things happened in the dream. And then I was, like, told my best friend, Lena, I was, like, I had a dream, blah, 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 I tell her all the different specifics. And she goes, is that why you don't want to go down there? And I'm, like, yes. And then I was, like, fuck it. This is insane. I'm going. So I went. I'm, like, I'm not going to, like, piss off my mom. I'm not going to just like, I'm telling people like, 
I had a dream, so I can't come. And everyone's like, you're crazy. So I was like, okay, fine. So I show up. What happens? The exact dream. Whoa. To the event. To, like, the laid out thing of the dream. Like, who was hitting who. Why there was an altercation. What was said. Right down to the thing. And I was like... I so when stuff started happening, my little cousin was there, and I was like, "Come with me, let's get out of here." And we like went down. And he missed the whole thing, and I don't know what that is, but stuff like that happens to me all the time. That's the um, the presence in the water is why it's called Mathman prophecies because some of these people were dreaming about presence in the water, and that was in John Keel's notes before Crazy. it happened. Oh. So. And that's why he called the book The Mothman Prophecies because right. it was so like, vague that you wouldn't it. understand. Well, they wouldn't understand what the context of presence in the water is. But as soon as it came to fruition, yeah. that they were like, whoa. And that, yeah, that's always been the scary thing is that they were trying to communicate it. So there's like an, this inevitability to it happening, but also this like, we could have stopped it if we understood. And this comes back to ultra terrestrials, which is they seem to have no interest in like helping people or anything like that it's not uh they they can see the future but it's not real and they can see events that are going to happen but they don't care about saving lives they don't care about anything like that it's like what are you to a worm and so like you can maybe see a bird coming up and coming to scoop up a worm but you're not gonna go worm no worm (laughs) but then there's some days where you do do that and you're like no worm like get out like where you do intervene yeah and so the idea behind these ultra-terrestrials is they they have a different vantage point and they have different senses that allow them to come up with these with these events. And then another thing about ultra-terrestrials is they only manifest themselves in ways that um, humans can understand. So um, if you attribute a belief, if, if you're experiencing an ultra-terrestrial event, if you attribute a belief to that event, it... Um, manifests itself in that way so if you're religious and you think that satan is possessing your farmhouse ultra terrestrials suddenly become satan possessing your farmhouse if you think that ultra terrestrials are aliens from across the starship that's why they have flying saucers that look like movie flying saucers and they wear silver outfits and they have the tractor beams it's because it's ultra terrestrials trying to manifest themselves in ways that your brain can understand and that's the part that messes me up so much that's because crazy. it's like, i do not if you, like that if you, <laughs> if you think about them then they yeah. become the thing hey like if you if you're scared enough of a thing then the scariest thing you personally think can happen that's what'll happen because your brain understands that well and that kind of explains how things change throughout history i mean like also how we understand how things are going. So with the sleep paralysis thing, we were learning about it being a, a, a demon, and now it's maybe aliens. And then it's like a ghost. It's an old hag that like sleeps over top of you. And it ties, it ties into that ultra-terrestrial theory, and it pops up in lots of, like, people who are fans of the ultra-terrestrial theory, they yep. love making homages to it, like Ghostbusters, where it's like, don't think about anything. <laughs> Remember, like, that's a reference to ultra-terrestrials. Oh. Interesting. So, um, oh, there's so is many there any things. tie to the Mothman that, which is what you were saying about religion? Is there any tie to the Mothman to like a, an image of an angel? Because it is a very big, yes, looking kind of thing. So except for red eyes. But. Yes, and it's actually um, through the uh, entire Mothman prophecy book. John Keel doesn't call. He says Mothman is referred to the Mothman by a local radio DJ because that week it was uh, Mothman was the bad guy in the 1960s Batman. 
Oh. And so Mothman's actually named after 1960s Batman. But John Keel calls the Mothman the bird, the angel, or the Garuda, which is like a oh. Middle Eastern winged character kind of thing like that so and uh he mentions directly the fact that uh in the bible you can't see the angels faces either and they just appear as a pile of wings oh and so he really likens the uh mothman to early angel depictions and i'm watching uh midnight mass (laughs) so this is also and everyone and don't say it and don't say anything can't say anything don't watch that yeah but yes, there's like that exactly. sort of imagery exists in there. So now like this imagery is like so vivid in my mind because this is what I was was watching right before we came. Yeah. yeah. So now like this is what this looks like. And I'm like, oh, God, don't think about it. Don't, <laughs> let, it, don't let it be your thought of things. Oh, oh, God. I had a couple sleepless nights researching this, actually. <laughs> yeah. Because like, it, just, it just really ties in there with the type of nightmares that I like to have. And I'm just like, and that's why Mothman sticks with me so much. And um, an- another thing about this is the-, the theory of these ultra-terrestrials, there's something that they think that, like, and, and this comes to Bigfoot, too. They think that, like, Mothman, Chupacabra, Bigfoot, any cryptid or yeah. crypt. I remember today I called it crypto in the car. <laughs> she, was like, she was like, I know he's a crypto. And I'm like, hey, he's, a, he's a Bitcoin. And then, yeah, that's, I was like, like a, that's like a dirty cryptid. Yeah, I was like, I kept saying, I was like, I was like, I was like, Victoria, this episode is about uh, mining Etheria, right? <laughs> and she's like, that's not the information I have prepared. <laughs> so there's a theory that the more animalistic cryptids, so the um, Mothman or Bigfoot, and there's there's a lot of cryptids you don't hear about. Like, a lot of them are very stupid, and they only come, like, one, one time. Like, Mothman's been seen a couple of times. Bigfoot's been seen a lot of times. Yeah. But the idea is, is that those are the animals of that dimension, and they're accidentally slipping through the dimension, and they're confused, and they're like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the dumbest ones yeah, they're the dumbest ones they're not the ones that are in charge of that dimension and so they're like the they're like god damn it jerry and so the men in black and the indrid colds are the one that are in charge of fixing the situation right and they're like nessie get in this net and let's go back home and that's exactly what it is <laughs> I'm actually writing a book right now that is exactly this plot. I call call them the drifters. Ooh, I love it. That's a great thing. uh, But it's mostly humans. But I never really thought about like a dinosaur coming through. (laughs) But that's, that is maybe what uh, Ogopogo, which is in the Okanagan. That's our own little Canadian. Which Loch Ness. It's so funny too. Like people, you talk to people and there's oh, one in every ten people are just going to be like, oh, yeah, I saw that monster. <laughs> and they have, like, a very, like, my uncle swears to God he saw the Ogopogo while he was, he used to live in the Okanagan. Yeah. And, but, I mean, he also did a lot of acid. The- <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he's pretty, like, he's like, I saw it. And he'll tell me this story. And every time I'm just like, we have got to call somebody about this. Like, I'm so convinced. Like, I, I would buy it. I would be that magazine. When I saw that magazine come out about the cult, I was like, oh, they're hiding facts from us. I mean, 
Like, I am so the person that would get sucked into something like this. I wanted to be so real, and that's why I was so heartbroken when I read Mothman Prophecies and John Keel was such a neckbeard, and I was like, <laughs> I wanted you to be better. Yeah. So, you, so you, said, sorry, you said Mothman has shown up in other places? I did. Um, so Chernobyl is one that I couldn't find on the, everywhere that they said he was seen in Chernobyl didn't seem like a reliable source and seemed no. a lot more like an urban legend. Right. But I mean, to be fair, Chernobyl was caused by people being a little bit dumb. Yeah. This is going to tie into the drink. Are you guys ready to, for it to be tied? Yes. Into yeah, the drink? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Mothman went away after the collapse of the Silver Bridge and Mothman was never seen in Point Pleasant again, but he was seen in 2011 and he was seen in 2019. And in 2019, he was seen in the parking lot of the Chicago O'Hare airport by a postal service worker. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. And it made like national headlines. Like the postal service worker was very serious that she was like walking from Chicago O'Hara airport. It was late at night and she was in the parking lot and she saw an eight foot tall winged being in the parking lot just shoot up into the sky. And she was like, oh my God. And then she told the news and then the news was like, that sounds like Mothman. And she didn't know what Mothman was. See, this is the mean, this is what I mean. Sometimes there's like no reason for these people to be creating this like extra thing like well do you know what this is she's like no my name is darlene i work <laughs> in the fucking i'm just trying to get from point a to point b and get put food on the table like i don't know about your mothman prophecy <laughs> and then she's like i did however see the mothman <laughs> and you're like darlene <laughs> just like it's so like of course it would i don't know it always happens to somebody who's just like has no way of making it sound legit or something that's something that's so sad about people that literally died on the collapse of the silver bridge is that like there's someone's family member who actually died and then every single goth hipster bigfoot hunter is like the silver bridge do you want to talk about they probably don't want to talk about mothman they're like like, i want to talk about how on december 14th (laughs) i had an aunt jenny and on december 15th i didn't it's And so that's so wild that that is a real life tragedy that like overlapped with it. I think that Mothman is, it it occupies the same space as Bigfoot, but it's a little bit more obnoxious and goth than Bigfoot because Bigfoot, it's fun. He's not talking to anybody. There's something huntable about Bigfoot. And so you can at least have a nice day in the woods with your family hunting Bigfoot. And that's (laughs) actually what I read. Somebody said that it was like a return to the old times. If you're if you're Bigfoot, you're just free. You're just wandering around in your little forest area. Yeah. And if you're hunting him, you get to be back to nature. And, like, it's all quiet. And you're not having your headphones on, like, <laughs> listening to music. And I was like, okay, but also you could just, like, bird watch. I don't know. Yeah, there's something more wholesome. <laughs> there's something more wholesome about hunting Bigfoot than there is about keeping yourself awake with Mothman literature. <laughs> <laughs> like, there is, too, though, the thing of, like, Bigfoot is something like in my mind that seems more like it could be because it could just be like, oh, there's lots of different species we haven't figured out yet. And if there's like a smart enough species to stay away from us and there's so many places, undiscoverable places. I think Bigfoot is less likely than finding something in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, I definitely weird shit in the ocean that weird. Oh, I think it definitely is. There could be a whole civilization down there we don't know about. 
Oh, I know. Every time. And they're just like, do not go up there. They are fucking nuts. <laughs> they actually have a pandemic going on right now, and there are people yelling about yeah. getting treated for it. <laughs> well, they just found a shark, uh, like a, a prehistoric shark in oh. Japan just recently. But I mean, like, every time they find a new thing, I'm like, I mean... The Mothman could be real. Yep. Fucking Bigfoot could be real. There's always part of my brain that allows for things to be like, maybe. I know. I want it so bad. And yeah, so that's why, like, the 2019, like, Chicago Mothman, I'm like, I want this to be real until proven otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yet to have been proven otherwise. It hasn't been proven otherwise. But it's Did anything happen after? Oh, maybe COVID. Was, maybe he was predicting was, COVID to the person. He could have been predicting COVID. <laughs> he was just he was like... Dude, all he was doing, he was just, like, walking around going... Cover your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he can't wear a mask though. He has no neck. Oh, fine. As long as, does he have ears? I don't know. You can't see him. Oh, you can't yeah. perceive him. You he might have ears, them. but you can't perceive him. Oh god, he can't even wear one of those big bucket thing masks, plastic things. Dude, I love the idea of him being like an ultra, one of the shit altruistic beings, ultra terrestrial, ultra terrestrials, not altruistic. Uh, <laughs> but he is being altruistic. He is being ultra terrestrial, but but being one of the like the dumb ones, and then they're just like, oh yeah, so get a load of this fucking Mothman gets to the other side. But he doesn't have a face you can perceive. <laughs> so he can't even tell people what he's going to tell people. Like, what does that even mean? She's like, you can't see his face, dude. Like, that's all his buddies on the other side are making fun of him. If we're he's pitching like if we're pitching Mothman sketches, I love the idea of <laughs> I love the idea of Mothman showing up like at the munitions factory, but then showing his Vax card to the couple <laughs> before chasing them. He's just, just like so you know I'm not and he exchange Vax cards <laughs> and then he just it, it's all this like consensual fucking <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm totally fine to eat your face, but I want to make sure. I want to make sure you're good. You're good. You're, okay. I'm good. It's always I'm awkward good. Just in case days. you get away. In you know, 1967, and we could just go right into chasing, <laughs> but not these days. It's this huge, Different big, time. like double entendre. He's just like, he's just like, are you worried about getting COVID? He's like, no, I just find the unvaccinated tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many levels. <laughs> I love it. All right. Okay. The drink. Should we do the drink? Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. So this ties in stu- stupid amounts. Almost like Ooh. the Mothman prophesized <gasps> that this podcast was going to happen. Because I was like a little bit. I was like, um, I, I knew the word malort literally translate in Swedish to moth liquor. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. So You've is- been also, I will apologize uh, to Victoria because she's been wanting to tell me these things in the last few months. And I'm like, don't tell me. <laughs> she's like, I'm doing a very special thing for you. I'm like, it has to be a surprise. <laughs> so um, what Malort is, and this is like, I, we didn't have fun doing absinthe last year. Oh, yeah. No, we did do absinthe. We still have it in our cabinets. Yeah. It wasn't. It's it still there. It I wasn't, haven't had any more. It wasn't fun. <laughs> no. And so we could have had a nice time. We could have had a mimosa. We could have had a little thing. Um, Malort is famous because it's only brewed in the city of Chicago. Okay. And oh. it's, uh, Chicago has a go lot of... Go the Bears! Go to Bears! Go to Bears! The Bears. Bears! They just lost on Sunday. I'm a little sad. But it was because I wasn't watching. I'm sorry, boys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they 
brew this regional liquor and they've got a lot of city pride in Chicago. Like they, they're very Midwestern. And so it's Chicago's the, before Los Angeles had all the urban sprawl, it was the second biggest city in the United States. So they were very proud of that fact. And so like New York was where you went to be stuffy. Los Angeles was where you went to be fake. But if you were a real city dweller, you went to Chicago. And so they loved it. And they're like, anything you need is in Chicago. You don't have to leave. Right. And And I think we talked about in the blues, uh, bar episode or whatever a lot of people um in the music industry and jazz came from the south um like of uh american black americans came up to chicago and that was the place for oh, music uh, yeah it was blues a, and jazz and like a blues hub for sure and so they they love showcasing their city because there's a lot of very beautiful cultural stuff that goes on and so when you go to chicago for a weekend you have to take an architecture tour you have to take a mafia tour you have to take as and blues tour they want to show you everything chicago has to see and so obviously while you're doing all the chicago things you have to take a shot of this shitty liquor (laughs) that only exists in chicago called malort and it's there, it's just like a rite of passage. Like, you know, when people like in like the PEI have to I was just going to say, Newfoundland, you have to kiss a fish and, and then drink. Um, Dawson City, you got to kiss the toe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a kiss the toe kind of thing. So this is like a hurt you, like, this is what. <laughs> it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. city shot. <laughs> and I tried it when I was there just a little bit. And it is, it's an intensive. <laughs> it's an, All right. It's All right. An I'm going to turn the camera on. How super yummy. I'm doing only a half because I don't want to puke in your nice studio. <laughs> and I said I was going to get a bottle of Malort to Brittany before I even saw like the logistics of it. Oh. And Alberta has a list of liquors that can be imported. And uh, only two liquor stores in all of Alberta are grandfathered outside of the amount of liquor that can be legally imported to Alberta. Yeah. You literally can't order Malort into Calgary because it you can't order it through the suppliers and you can't ship liquor in the mail. And so I was told like the only way is I might have to fly to Chicago or see if someone. So I was oh asking God. all the bookers that I know through stand up comedy. I was like, do you have any comedians coming through Chicago? Can they get me a thing of Malort? So I had this APB and I was going to come to Brittany. And I'm like, I don't think I can get Malort. And I, I knew she wouldn't care about it, but it right. became a personal quest. Yeah. <laughs> and then yes. like two weeks ago, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw, and uh, I spent a summer in Chicago, and I saw one grilled cheese restaurant in Chicago. It was like a hipster grilled cheese restaurant. And I saw my friend posted an Instagram story and a, look how crazy this hipster grilled cheese restaurant is. And I was like, you're in Chicago. <laughs> Bring me back, drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. So I big shout it. out to Stu Charlton for getting the more. Oh my God. Oh my God. And huge shout insane. out to you for all this, like going to all yeah. these troubles. This is insane. <laughs> I, was, I, I love your commitment to like, you're like, I said I'd do it. I'm getting I, it. I commit to bits a lot. <laughs> I would say everyone just pour what they think they can do. Okay. okay. I'm going to maybe take your uh, lead there. Mm-hmm. I'll do half. On the halfy. You got to have a big glass. Ooh, so. big girl glass. I want to see, see a half of that glass, please. Yeah. Okay, sure. Oh, my God. Ah, that's, that's a lot. Where's my bubble? (laughs) (laughs) So this is very. um, I'm trying to do two things. We're filming and we're talking into a mic. So smells very whiskey, burny, 
Here we go, ladies. Thank you, Victoria. Yeah, thank Cheers. You. Thank you. Thank you to the fellow that sent it. Yes. All right. Oh. I don't mind it. You know what? That's not bad. It's I mean, whiskey, it's, a, it's, it's black like licorice. Yeah, oh, cinnamon. Hold on. Wow. <laughs> 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 it's come back. It's come back. Oh my! It's it's puke man prophecies. <laughs> There's a lot. There is a lot. There's of so stuff many going layers to that. <laughs> At first, it tasted like cinnamon to me. I was like, "Oh, it's like fireball whiskey almost." I tasted the uh, black licorice, and then I got cinnamon, and then something else. <laughs> and then it just comes back with this just like super bitterness that tastes yeah. like you've already yes, thrown up, and you it don't remember it. It takes a second. You're just like, <laughs> I like that you were sitting there knowing that was coming. You're yeah. like, it's gonna come. But it's not even bad going down. It's just like no. it comes back to haunt you. It's not nice. I don't know. Is that maybe oh like a night in Chicago? I love Chicago. I've never been there, but you you've been Victoria. Yeah, it was. Oh, you uh, said you lived there for. Oh, no, I just spent a summer there. Yeah, and it was super fun because uh, once you do all the tourist stuff, you get all the locals have to show you all their favorite thing. Oh, and nice. They've got stuff like a free zoo, and so oh. yeah, all the locals they just they want to see you do a shot of Malort, and it's very fun for them. Yeah, and so Jepson's Malort liqueur. Carl Jepson Company, Chicago, USA. So what is Malort? It's a it's a wormwood. So it's still like oh, it's so very it's like similar absinthe. to absinthe, but then they just went, you know, there's not enough wormwood in absinthe. <laughs> and the, yeah, that Mr. stuff's too drinkable. That stuff's too drinkable. So Mr. <laughs> Jepson was like, what if we took my favorite thing in the world, which is just wormwood, and we just put only that. Yeah, and I think so, absinthe has other flavors. It's got a more of a black it? licorice kind yeah. of stuff. There's a sweetness to it. There is. Would no, you like so to hear no the uh, the actual description on the back? Yeah. Yes. Jepson's Malort has the aroma and full-bodied flavor of an unusual botanical. Its bitter taste is savored by two-fisted drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> Produced and bottled by CH Distillery in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That is amazing. A two-fisted drinker. A two-fisted drinker. All right, so what else is the tie to the Mothman? Well, just the fact that it's literally moth liquor, and it's from Chicago, and the last place the Mothman was seen was in Chicago. In Chicago. And I didn't get that until I had already said Malort. Also, there's, like, a lot of metal, like the bridge. It does taste metally tasting. It tastes like conjunctivitis in my mouth. (laughs) Tastes like something I cannot perceive burned my taste buds. (laughs) Um, it's like if I really wanted this to be a ghost, it could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I could. De- I definitely could make myself a ghost if I drank this entire bottle. <laughs> oh, goodness. oh my god! Do you mix inc- it in with things? Do they mix it, or is this an only? A... Uh, it's an over ice. Oh, I think it's a. They can do it over ice, and I think over ice would take away some of that bitterness. But, Potentially, but I feel like there's still so many other lovely aspects of it. I think this is the thing is is you got to shoot it because that's the whole like it's the kiss the fish, it's the kiss the toe, it's yeah. like shoot this thing and it's gonna kick your ass at the end of it. But it's a venture. Oh yeah, it's a souvenir for sure. Yeah. That is the kindest thing, and it has made my day. And it's just like I don't know. It's so it's traveled from this place. I've yeah. learned so many things today. <laughs> I love learning. <laughs> <laughs> the type of no, 
knowledge that you definitely need. Like practical yeah. skills. You need to be able to explain an ultra-terrestrial to someone in conversation. Just yeah. wave your hands a lot. And, but what? You don't understand whatever you think it is, it is. Oh, but all I, you guys have given me so much information, and you just know that I'm going to be in some bar trying to spin this web, and I'll be like, I was talking about altruistic cryptocurrency. <laughs> Slamming Malort. Yeah. I was like, you're either the smartest person I know or the dumbest person I know. <laughs> Altruistic cur- cryptocurrency <laughs> is what this pos- podcast is about. Oh my god! I think we we did a few. We did a little research. We did so. I all I did was I just wanted to see what other uh, cryptocurrency beings there were. <laughs> um, and I have a list of that for you guys. Do, do, Doge coin. There's Dogecoin, Ethereum. Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I put I put cryptid facts. No, I wanted a list list of cryptids. All the different list of cryptids. But uh, that's going to take me a second. Do you have any fun facts? I've got a couple. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go for okay. it. I was going to say I'm a chupacabra lady. but <laughs> <laughs> um, There is an international cryptozoology museum in Portland, Maine, which uh, Maine is like the, we've been on, we were on Stephen King last week. Maine's his big place. So I don't know what's going on with Maine. But that upper penis of the United States is so haunted. Maine <laughs> and it is. Why is it? West Virginia is up in that area well, they too. They killed a lot of people up there. They did. And they came in. They did come they in and a kill. lot of kills. That is where all of the trauma of this continent did start. So yeah. maybe that's it. That could be it. Apparently, according to a 2018 poll done by Insider.com, unclassified organisms like Bigfoot or Yeti or Nessie. Uh, people, fourteen percent of people believe that it exists, and I think that number is actually lower than I thought. Yeah, yeah I thought it would be higher because I think, like in America, like sixty percent of people. This is probably not right, but like a very large number of people believe in angels. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, but yeah. that's that's a classified organism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Like True. within within its morphology, it's not meant to be perceived. So they've right. definitely built that into it, but. I think the unclassified organisms is people say you could definitely go out and get a Bigfoot if you tried hard enough. Yeah, it's just you haven't found that, like that other spider that has a ninth leg. We just haven't found that one yet. He's out there somewhere. <laughs> He's wobbly. I just found a couple extra weird uh, cryptocurrencies here. Some extra cryptids that uh, you may or may not have known about. invest in? Uh, a hool? Oh. Hools are a nor... Uh, are enormous carnivorous bats that are said to inhabit the rainforest of Java and Indonesia, believed to have a wingspan in excess of 10 feet, making them roughly the size of a condor. Ahuls are said to be covered in a thick brown, like fruit or like fur, like a fruit bat, but unlike uh, bats, those bats, they have long, powerful legs and claws, and they're capable of pouncing and snatching live prey. No! Including humans. Stories believe that uh, they snatched humans from the open ground. Sightings of ahuls are often dismissed but and simply mistaken as a glimpse of owls, eagles, or other large birds in the rainforest. But sources claim that creatures do it, or these creatures do exist and may even be isolated as they're, I don't know, they just are like, hey, they, we, we don't have any evidence. <laughs> and no one's taking a picture. And we don't have them in any museums. 
But they're there. Uh, I, I have to that. question Carla's reaction to hearing about the Ahul. Yeah. Um, you gasped like someone who's afraid of bats. Yes. And now here's my question. Is, are you afraid of bats because they get stuck in your hair? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Because the Ahul couldn't get stuck in your hair at that size. Bats do get stuck in your hair. That's why most people are afraid of them. No, I don't like birds. I'm a huge dinosaur fan. But once they de-evolved into birds, I was like, fuck this shit. Nope. I like, I don't like it. That's so, so it's not even like, oh, it's the flappiness, it's but the not flappiness, even. It's the, and the diviness and the quiet. I don't really like quiet animals. I have cats. <laughs> I also believe that, cause I don't know if anyone's ever watched a cat for more than 10 minutes and they just stare at the wall. I think they're speaking to the, uh, the fourth dimensional being. Oh, 100%. And they're just planning our downfall. Oh, yeah, and they're just having a great time. They're having yeah. a big joke about it. They're like, remember when I didn't get a whiskers temptation there, giant eight-foot <laughs> demon that no one can see? Yeah, we're going to get them, but no, no, no. Yeah, just yeah. see just if there's right, one more. Just, right, just run under their feet a whole bunch of times while they're by the stairs. <laughs> That'll be funny. See if there's a whiskers temptation in it. If there's not, you can have them. <laughs> I like this relationship. Uh, see if you could pronounce this word. Ako ko Ako Rakumi. There we go. Oh, this one looks fun. The Ako Rakumi. The native uh, people of Japan have long believed that the volcano bay off the south coast uh, of Japan is home to an enormous octopus called the Ako Rakumi. Numerous sightings of the creatures have been made over the years. A British missionary named John Batchelor. I hate this guy. <laughs> hey, I'm John Bachelor. What's up? I'm John Bachelor. <laughs> He's the one who invented giving roses to bitches <laughs> and then taking them away if the hometown date didn't go yeah. well. He's like, sorry, you didn't put out no rose for you. <laughs> uh, he was working in the early 1900s and he recorded a sighting uh, in his book. Oh, another guy with a book. <laughs> Guys, uh, he's, he's just like some like weird thing. He's like, I bet you never seen a sailor with a beard. <laughs> These guys are as self-styled as comedians. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, he 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 uh, reported saying it had a great. It was a great sea monster with large staring eyes. Uh, he had attacked the lo- three local fishermen and their boats. The monster was a round shape and emitted dark fluid and a noxious odor. The three men fled in dismay. Uh, and it kind of sounds like an octopus to me. That's why I was like, oh. the odor thing is very common among cryptids. Like Mothman oh. is supposed to smell like decaying because the idea is that the um, if they're from another dimension and yeah. they come through, their particles aren't stable enough, and so their particles oh. are decaying all around you, and that's why you get conjunctivitis, and that's why you get oh. like health problems from them because they can't oh. stay stable in our dimension. So cool. the smell is very common among cryptids. It's just like one guy's just like I saw the Mothman. They're like, no, Frank, you have dysentery because you don't eat proper in your dirt. <laughs> uh. Mothman or a fart. Uh. <laughs> Ooh, what do you guys, uh, there's a, there's an alligator looking one. Ooh. Altamahaha? Would you, how would you say that? That looks exactly like it. That's a, you said it correctly. Altamahaha. You like dinosaurs, you're gonna like this one. Uh, Look at the the picture. Yoink. Oh, he looks like a plex, he looks like a, well, a. Plesiosaur? Plesiosaur. Mosaur. 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 Which are technically not dinosaurs. 
perfect. I love that you guys love dinosaurs the same amount. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting to me. Okay. The, the, we were at a restaurant earlier, and Carla has a T-Rex skull tattoo, and the waitress was like, I also have a skull tattoo. And the waitress <laughs> kept commenting on it repeatedly. Like, and it, her, She had a regular skull, and Carla had a T-Rex skull. And I was just sitting there like, but I actually have a T-Rex skull. Don't be friends with the waitress. Be friends with me. <laughs> you you're like, mine's on my hip, and it seems inappropriate to show you right now. You're like, hey. um, You need to uh, play Jurassic Park. Uh, Jura- sorry, Jurassic World Evolution. Ooh. It's a park management game where you, <laughs> you basically property manage dinosaurs. <laughs> I was like, are you doing that? <laughs> we only hear it in our heads. She's not moving her legs. I was like, are you the boss? <laughs> and it was so perfectly pitched that I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I was like, am I in the game? Is this all a simulation? <laughs> Why is everything I fear coming to life? <laughs> um, well, nothing will beat that conversation. You guys know that. The, the, the Ultima Haha is a 20 to 30 foot long river monster with large flippers, sea-like snout, and is that is said to uh, inhabit the mouth of the Ultima Haha River near uh, Darien, Georgia. Brittany, so anyways, you need to make comedy merch that's just a picture of this monster on a t-shirt and says, Brittany Lysing gonna give you the ultimate haha. <laughs> Dude, it just, yeah, bro. It's just, it's so, it uh, takes such a long time to explain. You're <laughs> like, okay, one time I was learning about Dude, it's, it's not a dinosaur, it's actually called an ultimate haha, but then I, the pun is ultimate haha. <laughs> You know what? Anyways, guys, I please buy this merch. I'm so poor. I went all in on Ultimate Haha and did not think about the market. Do you know how much? You know how much money it costs to print color graphics on T-shirts? Oh, you guys, there's so many more. But those were just my couple of my favorite ones. Uh, were they? Hold on, let's ask the question. Were they a couple of my favorite ones, or were they the first three on the list? Uh, we'll never know. We'll never know. You just have to keep that lie up for the rest of your life. And people, like, every Christmas, it's like, Brittany, I got you the Ultima. <laughs> yeah, you become that person where all of you, you just, like, trinkets and, like, bedware. And... 100%. I had so much Ultima haha in my life. <laughs> Giant bats. And it's, it's like, when you get married, we're throwing you a bachelorette party. It's all you're gay you're like no i don't like the ultima like oh for god's sakes well gals what do you think oh we do i do want to mention that there is a if you want to see a physical representation i suppose of the mothman i kind of don't because it scares me well we promised this off the top i know we need to talk talk about about it it. although we do that a lot and then don't talk about this Um, there is a 12 foot tall statue in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh, it is a chrome statue with red eyes, wings, and claw-like hands. And then, it says in the little thing, yeah. uh, if you haven't had enough fun, there's a Mothman Museum around the corner, so... Ooh, in West Virginia. Yeah. The, Crazy. The statue, because I've seen the statue on Google, it's yeah. so funny, because you've seen... 
uncle welder art before you know yes. like when uncles like that's their only form of expression and they make like elvises and they make like fish out of welding yeah the mothman statue looks like an uncle made it but then it was <laughs> sanctioned by a proper like it's put on a proper like the city had a budget yeah. and so it's got a brass plaque and so, and, and a proper concrete kind of monolith to sit on top of. And so the statue is probably like the tackiest thing in the universe because yeah. it looks like you're going to see a really good brass statue, but then it's just some uncle art of the Mothman <laughs> <laughs> that has been commemorated. You... Does no one had the heart to be like, it seemed like so much work to do it. Yeah. So and they were just like, so excited. Well, how bad would it be if they don't have some kind of memorial <laughs> at the bridge and they just have like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I don't know. A bunch of people died. But anyway, look at this guy. a chrome Mothman statue. And it's very chrome. <laughs> it's just so chrome. Not a lot of public art is chrome, except for the no. bean in Chicago. Ah! Oh, yeah. Whoa. It gets well, back. back. It gets so hot, that one, right? It, like, burns people. Oh, I didn't know that the bean burns people. Yeah, I think the oh. bean burns people because it's too hot. Because it's chrome and the sun. <laughs> Science. Science. All right, gals. Yeah. Now, uh, do you want to promote anything? What's your social media? I am so prepared for this. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I spent all the pandemic learning about branding, and oh. so I'm not even a human being anymore. I am a brand. That is correct. We are I am all my brands. own brand ambassador. <laughs> and uh, I have a website, and it's vbcreates.ca. VB for Victoria Banner, and then creates.ca. And I have lots of fun stuff, and you can hire me to be a graphic designer, and you can hire me to be a stand-up comedian, and you can hire me to... Or talk about cryptids? Yeah, you can hire me to talk about the Mothman. That's also my favorite, all of the above. And so, yeah, I've just basically just been dumping all of my random stuff onto this one website so that I stop sounding like a... Again, me trying to explain my arts career is as convoluted as John Keel trying to explain the Mothman <laughs> prophecies, where I'm like, you don't understand. I'm a comedian, but it didn't work. But also, sometimes I do festivals, but then that didn't work, so I became a graphic designer. But I have two music videos out, so <laughs> in order to understand that I have music videos, you should know that I've been doing improv for nine years. <laughs> Your dad's just like holding your pilot's license oh yeah and i can fly an airplane if anyone really needs like if all of the pilots on board are dead and there's no doctors i can land a plane (laughs) i was like i really want people to know that you can fly planes it was just my contribution there Ooh, i'm just checking out the website very cool oh thank you very very cool um well victoria honestly this is uh this has been my favorite episode so far so i hope everybody likes it as much as i have it's been a treat um thank you for having or thank you for coming on the podcast thank you for getting us this malort from chicago one more shout out to your friend uh yeah Stuart charlton Stuart charlton who got this for us uh we do this every week you guys check out our patreon we have lots of fun stuff on there we've Uh, got our social medias which are we are at life pairings podcast on instagram that's really all we do that's all we do yeah, yeah. and all the information you need about us is there pretty makes very cute pictures i i poorly uh photoshop <laughs> so i just cut out square heads and then just put them on bodies <laughs> it, it became a joke but it's because it's all i'm capable of uh thank you very much uh for listening thank you victoria have a great week and watch out for those mothman and check out Victoria's website, vvcreates.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>